One, two, three. Welcome to Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores how Bob Jones University empowers individuals to reach their highest potential for God's glory. Welcome to this edition of Highest Potential. I'm Steve Pettit, president of Bob Jones University. And we just finished a wonderful Bible conference, annual Bible conference here at at BJU. And it just was a fantastic week. Uh, our, our theme of the week was from John 17, sanctify them. So our speakers gave messages along the line of sanctification. And we were honored to have with us Dr. Sam Horn, president of the Master's University and Seminary in California. We also had Dr. Rand Hummel, who is the uh, director of the Wilds of New England Christian Camp. We had evangelist Will Galkin from Salt Lake City, Utah and Gospel Grace Church. And then a very special night with Dr. Les Olala, who was the former president of Northland Baptist Bible College. And on that evening, we honored him with a Lifetime Achievement Award from the BJU Alumni Association for his spiritual leadership and influence. And it was really an amazing evening because we invited down um, six presidents from various seminaries and colleges who either had worked for Les Olala or who had uh, been a student at Northland or had been a close personal friend. And they sat up on the stage and uh, it was just a wonderful night. Les preached and I'm just so glad our students were able to be a part of that evening. Also during our Bible conference this year, we had a, a fundraiser for something very, very heart touching, and that is the Hope Christian Health Center that is planning to be built in West Africa in the country of the Ivory Coast. And as you may remember, some of you may have listened to the episode uh, that I had with Dr. Cadio about Dr. Bernard Cadio, who is really the leader uh, in guiding us to uh, this fundraising uh, opportunity. And Dr. Cadio is from Ivory Coast. He's one of our professors here at Bob Jones University. He leads our global health uh, degree. And so our goal was to raise $200,000 from our student body, which is a massive task. And it was, it was uh, something that only the Lord could do. And I am so thrilled to announce that currently we've raised $216,188.67 that will go to the construction of this hospital in the Ivory Coast. In today's episode, we're playing for you the conversations I had with our Bible conference speakers. We'll discuss the week's theme, get updates on their ministries. And first, we'll hear from Sam Horn, then Will Gawkin, and finally, Rand Hummel. Hope you enjoy it. We are so delighted to have Dr. Sam Horn in my office today. Sam, thanks for being with us. Oh, Dr. Pettit, thanks for having me. This has been a great week. Well, I know that that uh, that God's used you and Will and um, and Rand Hummel this week as we've we've dealt with the subject of sanctification. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that today uh, from your perspective. And you have been involved in Christian higher education all of your career. You worked here at Bob Jones. You were executive vice president at Northland Baptist Bible College. 
You were the president of Central Theological Seminary. You came here as an executive vice president. Now you're the president of Masters University and Seminary out in California. So uh, given the, the theme of sanctification, spiritual maturity, how do you see uh, Christian education, Christian higher education, um, linking up with sanctification and why it is so important for that age group? You know, Dr. Pettit, that's a great question. And, um, I, you know, obviously being involved both at the church as a pastor for, for many years and now in Christian higher ed for many years, um, the, the, the realm of sanctification proper is really what God uses to do that is His Word, and the community that He uses to, to do that is the church. So I would never want to imply that a Christian university or, or seminary takes the place of the church in, in the role of Christian sanctification, but it becomes a tool that a godly parent or a, a good church or even a, even a young person can use in their Christian sanctification. Because one of the things that happens at a Christian university, particularly one that has a real strong foundation on, on theology on, on, and a high view of Scripture and a, a commitment to a thoroughly biblical worldview— when that is woven in, and it's not just a Bible class, right? It's not just chapel. It's all throughout the institution. It's the whole thing. It shapes the character of a person because sanctification is actually shaping your character. It's who you are on the inside that's being transformed. And, and it's not just by the preaching, the, the, the sort of the verbal proclamation of the word it's the weaving of that word into your life so that what the psalmist said in Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, the thought processes, how I process things, right. how I view life that shapes how I talk about life, let that be acceptable. And so the Christian university and the Christian seminary, in my mind, are wonderful assets to that. You know, schools like the Master's University and Seminary or Bob Jones University and Bob Jones Seminary and other places like that, in my mind, are a great asset to a parent who's, who's saying, Lord, I want my son or I want my daughter to love you, to know you, and to serve you. So let's uh, let let's go a little further down the road on that idea, and uh, so I kind of want to set it uh, the question up this way. Um, th this is no criticism or slam on uh, a young person who goes to a secular university and they go they're faithful to church, mm -hmm. they're involved in maybe right. some Christian ministry on the campus. Um, they are challenged; their faith is being challenged. They're sharing the gospel. The reason I say that is that was my case for four years on a, on a secular campus, and I, I became a believer at that time. Um, but, but let's take a little step further, because now we're talking about particularly Christian parents, Christian families, Christian homes, and the raising of their children. Um, you know, the, the, the idea is, well, they could go to a secular school or Christian school. It really doesn't matter. But there's something that's missing when your child goes to a community college or your your young person goes to a secular college, they don't get. There's something they don't get, particularly in that formative period of life between 18 and 23. Could you expound on that? 
Well, I think you hit it. Uh, you know, it is a formative period of time, and it is probably the most critical time spiritually for a young person because it's when all that they've been hearing all of their life in their church, from their youth group, from their mom and dad about their faith is coming together. And they are making massive decisions that they may not even be aware of. Right. That are going to affect the, the total direction and outcome of their life. I mean, think about the decisions that a young person makes during those four years. They're going to determine what they're going to spend the rest of their life doing. They're going to determine how they're going to do that thing. They're going to they're going to form lifelong relationships, a network of friends that are going to be with them for their whole life. Proverbs has so much to say about the kind of friends mm -hmm. that come into your life. I mean, the the very best lifelong friends I've had, most of them were formed during that period of time. Yeah. And so your your friends, uh, many of them will find a life mate at college. And so all of that comes together outside of your salvation uh, and the decision about who you marry. This is a very, very important decision. And so many people, and, and you know this because you, you're out there the same as me, so many people don't think of this decision or don't attach that sort of significance to this decision. It's, well, I need a job. And I need a college degree to get a job. And this this college is close and it's got a really good reputation and I could get a great scholarship there. And oh, by the way, I'll, you know, I'll I'll stay at church. I'll 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 be in the word. And like you said, there are people that in the providence of God and even in the will of God, that is the plan. But it has to be very carefully thought through and prayed through. This is not a casual decision. I've often wondered it this way, you know, for for the average price tag of, of a Christian university, um, a four-year degree is, it tops over $100,000. Now, many, many school, many parents get scholarships, so it ends up being a lot less than that. And schools like Bob Jones and the Master's University work really hard to make it affordable for parents. Right. But even there, you're making a substantial investment, $50,000, $100,000 investment. You would never make a $100,000 investment without a lot of careful thought and a lot of deep prayer. And I think that's really what, if I had a message for a Christian parent, that's that's what I would say. You've got to think very intentionally about this degree, uh, this, this decision. And, and as a family and with your pastor, you need to think through all of the aspects of this because you, you don't get a do-over on what somebody is taught in these four years. Yeah, absolutely. You don't get a do-over. Well, you know, we always talk about ROI, return on investment, mm -hmm. and usually it's put in a financial model um, or uh, towards more of a materialistic approach, even by Christian parents, which is, to be frankly honest with you, is really a, uh, uh, is really a, a, a really a bad thing because the most important thing is the spiritual formation mm -hmm and training of that young person. David Dockery in his book on faith and learning, and that's it, yeah. it was about Christian higher ed, talked about the most important moral decision-making times in his life. He said the first one was between six and 18 months where you learn a very important two-letter word. <laughs> it's called no. The second time is right around the early junior high age where you start to make decisions about your friendships. 
But the third time is actually your first year out of high school. And it's just the way the American culture is because we have education up through high school. And then after that, you're really entering into your adult years. And most people at 18 know that they need to become adults, but they're not ready. And that period of time, 18, 19 years old, you are really crystallizing your faith, your future, your friendships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in high school, you live with your parents and visit your yep. friends. In college, you live with your friends and visit your parents. Yep. And it, it really, your morality, your worldview is all being crystallized. And this is where historically many, many Christian young people have walked away from their faith. And when Bob Jones Sr. founded this university, he did it on the basis of one of those reasons is because of that very point of, of people who became shipwrecked in the college yeah. years. So as we move, as we think about this week of Bible conference, uh, the theme is sanctification. So, so weave that, that idea. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get a Bible conference at a secular university. Correct. This is Correct. a big deal. It is a big deal. You know, and I think of uh, as a parent and really even for my own soul, what is it that at the end of my life, I want to look back on and say, this is what I gave my life to, and this is what I built my life on. And so I've, I've sort of narrowed that down in my head to five big values. Hmm. So the first of those is a rock solid commitment, an unshakable unswervable commitment to the authority, inerrancy, and sufficiency of Scripture. Amen. And most of us who came up in a conservative church sort of background would, would nod our head fully. We would embrace the idea of the inerrancy of Scripture, but it's really the authority of it and the sufficiency of it that really put inerrancy in its place in our life. In other words, I can believe inerrance, the Bible's inerrant, but if I don't submit to what it has to say about morality and gender and all of the other cultural issues in life. And if I, if I sort of segment it or isolate the Bible, you know, just sort of move it into a particular corner of my life, that's my Sunday book. That's my, you know, that's going to help me with my, my relationship to God, but it's not really good for the business part of my life or for the daily part of my life. The authority and sufficiency of Scripture are so critical. You and don't get that as a secular school. And that's the foundation for sanctification. That's the foundation, yeah. right? So that's the first value. The second value comes right out of that, and that is the supremacy and lordship of Jesus Christ in every corner of my life, in every area of my life, every decision I make in my life. And I would never ever see Jesus that way if I didn't really spend time in the Word. Absolutely. So that flows out of that. You're never going to hear about the Lordship of Jesus Christ uh, in, in, in any secular environment. In fact, He's going to be marginalized, if not mocked. And, and, and every parent needs to know that there are amazingly powerful and very captivating teachers that get hired at most secular schools and their agenda is not to cement and strengthen your son or daughter's commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, much less his lordship over them. Right. Correct. And so I think that's a very important component. It doesn't matter at the end of my life how successful an accountant I've been if Jesus hasn't been ruling my life. So that would be the second major value. The third major value would be the centrality of the local church. Mm-hmm its importance in my life. Uh, it is the one thing 
that matters to God on this planet right now. It is what he is doing. I mean, you and I were talking to Les Olala or talking about Les Olala early this morning. He used to say, we don't have to survive. We do have to obey. Right. Well, that is that is so true. I mean, you and I both are working hard. You you hear Bob Jones, I'm at Masters University and Seminary. We we beg God every day for our for our survival. We have an important mission to do. You're doing it here on the East Coast. We're doing it out on the West Coast. But that mission only matters when it serves the church. Right. And because church, it's God's work in yeah, the world. Yeah. The church is uh, the most amazing community of people. And and I want to be a part of an institution like Masters. And you're here at Bob Jones. We're training great church members. We're training great church leaders. Right. Um, that's, um, you know, at the end of the day, when, when you're a parent and you want to see your son or your daughter make the greatest single investment they could make in their life, it's not making a partnership at a law firm. It's not, it's not, you know, being the next corporate executive that, that, you know, makes a million dollars, you know, over the course of four years. What is significant for eternity is what they do as a local member, as a member of a local church. Well, you're, that, that's another major value, eternal value that you get at a local college. And that comes out of the other two. The third one is, you know, the equipping and edifying yep. of mm-hmm. the believer. Yep. And, and that, that's what we're talking about this week. Yep. The whole week has all been about equipping all of us through the word to grow in our knowledge of God. And that's what sanctification is. That's at the heart of it. Right. And you have a fourth one? That was the fourth one. That's the fourth one. All right. And the fifth one is the evangelism, evangelization and discipleship of the nations. Yeah. And you, you, you come here, Center for Global Opportunities. Right. Outreach. uh, Local churches. Yeah. The project you're doing uh, for... As I was listening to it this week, the project you're doing uh, on Christian the Hope, Coast. Yeah, it's a Christian Hope Health Center. Okay. What you said last night would never be said, because there's secular colleges that would do something like this. What you said last night was 15,000 people are going to come to that clinic to get operations, to deliver babies. But the whole reason we're putting that clinic there isn't that. That's how those people are going to come. But what they're going to get when they come is the gospel. Absolutely. Well, that's the evangelization and discipleship of the nations. We typically think of it as preaching and giving a, a gospel message to somebody. But you come to a liberal arts university and you discover, I get to use my life. Right. I get to use my talents. I can be a doctor and do this. I can be a nurse and do this. I can be a technician and do this. Well, that changes everything. And so when you make the investment to send your son or daughter to Bob Jones University or to the Master's University or to any number of good Christian universities, we're not the only two, you are making the very best investment in the sanctification of your son or daughter. Absolutely. The whole idea of sanctification is being set apart uh, from sin Mm -hmm. unto God for his purposes and service Mm -hmm. in the world. And that really is one of the most important values of the Christian higher education, mm-hmm. Amen. colleges and universities. Well, Sam, thank you so much for being with us today. It, you, you, you've come in and I know our students love you and appreciate you. 
and the Lord's used you in a very effective manner in both our, both our academy and university this week. And so uh, I, I, we, we will pray for you and pray for your continued blessing as you go forward for him in the future. Thank you, Dr. Pettit. It's Thank always you. a blessing. We sure love you. And, Thank you. Love and pray you for you as well. Thank you. Well, we are really thankful to have with us Will Galkin today. Will, thanks for coming out. Hey, thanks. It is a, it's been an awesome week hmm. and really appreciate your ministry. I know the students have. And so what I'd like to do is actually let people get to know you a little bit, bit better, uh, just your background and sure. ministry experience, kind of how you got where you are today, and then talk about this week. Uh, I've known Will for uh, 25 years, is it, Will? I think so. Somewhere at least a quarter of a yeah. century. And neither one of us has changed. We looked exactly <laughs> the same as we did when you came at 22 years old, and I think I was 39 at the time. Wow. And so... Uh, it's been a wonderful time to be with Will, and God's greatly used him. But I'd like us to go a little bit of your background. So tell us about where you're from and then where you were sure. educated. So I actually, uh, my parents moved to Idaho when I was about one. So I grew up in Idaho. And then um, on a whim. Twin to, Falls, to be exact. Twin Falls, to be exact. Mm -hmm. And I, on a whim, I went to uh, Northland Baptist Bible College, received a piece of mail. My dad looked at it and said, why don't you go to that college? And that was about as much thought as we put into it. <laughs> and I got into a 1986 900 Saab Turbo and drove out to Northland, had never visited, and showed up and entered into a whole different world. And um, the Lord greatly changed my life. I know this week. Now, your, par your parents were Christians. Uh, yep. First generation Christians. They'd been saved maybe about two years before we moved to Twin Falls. And you grew up in a Christian school? Yep. Went to a Christian school, went to Grace Baptist Church, and um, that's where I was saved. And um, actually, it was a, a uh, Bob Jones grad, and his name was Bob Seaman. And, As pastor? Yep. Wow. And he was preaching, it's a point on a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. And I trusted Christ. Wow. As a young boy. And um, real, I think God was calling me to ministry all along the way. And I didn't want to do it. I was heading towards the Naval Academy mm. and the Lord just kept on shutting down doors. And I kind of, I went to Northland a little bit kicking and screaming, but uh, the Lord just so rapidly worked in my heart that I just, um, uh, the Lord provided a number of mentors there that mm. just locked in. Uh, Marty Heron was one mm. of those, your friend. Um, Sandy Arndt mm -hmm. was a mentor. And then the really the pulpit ministry of Les Ola, mm. uh, the the chapel ministry uh, during that time of Northland was just so hot. And then there's actually some upperclassmen that discipled me, mm. and uh, I praise God for that season. So, so you finished up in 1995. 95, and then after that, I traveled with a guy by the name of Steve Pettit. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Uh, my um, his he had a. Uh, uh, Jason Jans traveled with him and then he referred, I was uh, best friends with Jay. And so then that's kind of the connection. And then also Marty, because Marty was discipling on me. Yes. So I, I, I was kind of, I kind of joked. I was just seeing one of the, one of your BJ Grass folks. Hmm. And, um, and I was explaining to him how I wasn't part of the cool club. <laughs> and that the, I was one of, I think I'm one of the like two or three people that have ever traveled with you that didn't play an instrument. Exactly. Yeah. So. But um, the Lord really used 
uh, that time with you to solidify probably the call into evangelism. I, I, I was coming with such little understanding of how ministry really worked mm-hmm. that um, I kept, I don't know if you even remember this. I, my first month or two, I'd come up to you and I'd say, I think I'm supposed to be an evangelist. And then the next week I'd come up to you, I think I'm supposed to be an evangelist. <laughs> I'd come up to you, I think I'm supposed to be an evangelist. And I remember one time you, you said, well, then do it. And I think the Lord just used that season with you to really solidify that. Oh, those were great years. <laughs> there, I have I have multiple <laughs> memories of those years with you and Peter Blake yeah. and, and the group. And uh, there was a simplistic nature to just showing up and just preaching the word and enjoying fellowship. And there was so few um, of of the political side of ministry that sometimes just enters into right. that setting. And it's not a, not an evil thing in and of itself, but those were, when I look back, those just had such sweet, sweet seasons. So, so. you were, you were with us a few years, I think three. And then, yep. then after that, I came to Bob Jones, got a master's okay, and it was pretty much off campus and just blitzed through it a year and a half. And then, um, came back with you as a married couple. Uh, and we did, uh, we, that was kind of season. We did those uh, airy wide crusades. Oh yes, I do. And then I kind well. of transferred into a role of helping with the team a little bit mm-hmm. more. And uh, it's, it's sweet to see some of the relationships. You're kind of like the there. mediator. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> the mediator between. Or the interpreter. Yeah, the yes. interpreter. Okay, what that means is stop. Yes. Yeah, don't do that. That Steve's trying to tell you stop. Yeah. He said it nice and Southern, but it means stop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and then let's see, you were with, with us what? About three years. Okay. Um, and then, uh, then in, I think it's 2003, we broke off. We spent a uh, half year at South Sheridan or Red Rocks Baptist, just kind of in between traveling with you right. and hitting the road on our own. And then we started a season of um, itinerant ministry. We lasted about a year by ourselves before we started having team members. Actually, I don't know if you remember this, but you said, hey, Will, when are you going to have somebody travel with you? <laughs> I always thought I told you not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You go, um, the coffees, they weren't even dating yet. He, you go, the coffees, I think they're going to get married. And I think they should travel with you. I said, they're not even dating. And he go, yeah, but you know, they will. So they came with us and we're such a great blessing. And, and I, I mean, I'm, I've always, um, at the core been a team person, right? You know, I'm, I, I bring some strengths to the table, but I, I do better at bringing strengths together. And, um, and so we had them and pretty soon, and then was a slippery slope. We had a, you know, a couple singles travel with us. And if you got two, you might as well do 10. So Exactly. Exactly. So we had, um, how many people travel with you over I the I think years? when, by the time we finished, I think it was 35. 35. I might be wrong. It was right there. And the tote from, from 03, you traveled in full-time of itinerant work till? Well, right up until 2019. Okay. So 16 yeah. years in the, plus the time you were with us. Yeah. And your wife, she barely ever got off the road. Yeah. Oh Yeah. We've only known, we've only really known road life. I looked at, it was 26 years that we did evangelistic work. Wow. And um, probably about 10 years ago, we just got burdened to get more connected to a local church. And um, how could we advance? How could we help a church still travel itinerantly? I, I don't think we had any concept of what, at that time, what would turn out to be what God's got for us now. Right. And so as we started to pursue that, we began to, there was a team starting to come together right. of guys and we, and we began to research what's the least evangelized area of the United States. You got New England and you've got Salt Lake. 
Wow. The difference with Utah is that they've never had a revival. They never had a spirit filled season of churches planted. Mm. There's more Christians in Utah today than there's ever been in all of its history. Mm. And that just kind of stirred us up. We just said, you know what? We want to go where the gospel's never been proclaimed. And part of that was I grew up three hours north of there. Yeah, I was going to say, how far yeah. away is yeah. Twin Falls? Yeah. And you know what's unique, Steve, is I, I, I think it was, you know, the Lord does this, but I was done. I just was, I, I wasn't really a godly person growing up in Idaho. And so I just was done with it. I just wanted to go and it was just, I want to get out of there. And, and then when you live as a minority religious culture, you, there's, there's a, there's a, that is your Christian in the, in the midst of Mormons. Yeah. You yeah. just, it, it's not an enjoyable circumstance. And, and there's a reason why, uh, in Utah and in the inner mountain West, when people become Christians, sometimes they move away. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet the Lord and his providence put me back in a place that I, I know, I know, well, I understand it. So what year did y'all go to Salt Lake city? Yeah. So that would have been um, 2000, it was over 11 and 12, but the, the church actually, we had our first services 2012. 2012. Yeah. So you're in your ninth year. Yes, this will, yes, this will be nine be years. Your ninth year. So you, you were part of the church, but you also traveled. Yes. And that, that, <clears throat> that was a, you know, it was a gift, but it was a very difficult season. And that was probably hindsight. That was probably the hardest season of our life. And, you know, Doing was, both. Yeah, a lot of hours, a lot of, um, and a lot of cares. How how can you care for people, and be involved in circumstances and the responsibility, the weight of that? Um, you know, it was just it was, it was intense, and yet. So your your role now at yeah. the church, now that you're off the road officially, what is your, your okay? Role? So I'd be pastor of church planning. Okay. And then, so I'm I'm half with Gospel Grace, and I'm basically half. What's going to happen is. The other half is basically I'm going to be a missionary and I'll be what you call a church planning, planning catalyst. And um, uh, that other missionary supported half is just the collection of resource um, and the formation of church planning teams. And so, so, so the church is Gospel Grace Church, Salt that, Lake City, uh-huh. which is in the downtown area. Yes. And uh, on a Sunday morning, I know COVID is, is yeah. kind of hard to so know how many you have coming. Pre-COVID, it was 475. Okay. And then um, right now, there's it's about 400 plus. Okay. We have two services and then online. Okay. And um, Utah is, is probably like, it's, it feels like uh, South Carolina in its restriction level. And uh, our heart is that God would just let there be five to t- 10 churches in this geographical area that would be stable enough and a family of churches that would cooperate together over the next whatever years to plant more churches in their inner mountain West. And, um, and how are you seeing, uh, I mean, you you've been here on the campus for Bob Jones. This is today's Thursday. You came in Tuesday. Yes. So how have some of the students been responding? Oh, there it's, it's actually, there's a sweet spirit. I mean, even preaching, they, they were very attentive. I've had multiple students come up and talk about what the Lord's in their life. I, I have a, um, I have a queued up conversation with about 20, 20 students that are, they want to at least know information or right. internships or whatever right. with what's going on. And there's a real heart for it. And, and, you know, I was, I was just reminded, um, 
so I grew up in Twin Falls, our, it was Grace Baptist Church. Our church helped plant another church with Wally Higgins and Ron Eamon mm -hmm. in Elko, Nevada. And Bob Jones III was just reminding me today or yesterday uh, how that he was there and he met, ran into a Bob Jones couple who had been a rock in getting that church started. And that's what caused him to start communicating that Bob Jones grad should consider going out West mm. and just being a part, a member of a church and just helping. Wow. And that, that spirit, I mean, that, that is something special. When I think of gospel grace getting started, I don't know the exact number of Bob Jones grads, but it's quite a few. Well, I think on your team, three out of the four were BJ grads. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, you went to Northland, yes. but I mean, yes. yeah, yes. exactly. Yep. But the, the lay folk type come out. that, that pioneered, I mean, there were some people that, they got up and they, they, it was harder for them. They didn't raise support. Right. They had to burn through two, three jobs until they landed a good job. Right. And, um, it, if it wasn't for, you know, godly people like that, it, it just wouldn't have worked. Sure. And, and you know, and some of that legacy of what Bob Jones, the third was saying, and I'm sure it's continuing with you is I just had a couple come up to me and they're already planning to moving out there. Like I said, well, how come they said, well, because we don't want to waste our life. We want to be a part of something. We could get a job anywhere, but we want to go where there's no Christians. I mean, that's a beautiful yeah. thing. And that's really, I mean, that that would be our, our our vision of the organic working of the Spirit of God in people's lives, where they have a passion and a vision and a burden for God's yeah. work. And so they're willing to sell out and go yeah. wherever God leads them. Yeah. Um, so your vision, you, I know you'll have a vision for the valley. That's yes. kind of your, what give us the... Uh, Vision. So, so Northern Utah is where the, 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 where the main population hub is. It's about 3 million people. Uh, Salt Lake proper is 1.2 million, but it's probably going to be outpaced by Utah County. That's where BYU is mm -hmm. in about 20 years. So probably more people in Utah County than there are in Salt Lake County. Utah County is uh, in the high nineties of Mormonism mm. and Salt Lake city proper is less than 50%. So basically the Mormons are leaving Salt Lake and they're going to these other suburb areas. And, and you know, Steve, it, um, like out of Galatians, whenever you have legalism, the kickback on the other end is just so extreme. And the secularism and the anti-godism, if you let me say it that way, yeah, yeah. is so intense. And um, it's either Mormons or those that are really on the other yeah. side. So, so for some that's very oppressive and it's hard, right? But if by God's grace, you're in a season where you're, you're seeing the harvest, it's wonderful. Right. It's so easy to talk to people about Jesus. I mean, I mean, I can't tell you how quickly conversations go to the gospel um, because everyone has a chip on their shoulder. Everyone has their opinion. Mm. All I have to do is say I'm a pastor and I will, I will end up giving the gospel. That's great. And, um, and it doesn't matter if I'm on the ski lift. It doesn't matter if I'm in the grocery store. I mean, it just goes there so fast. Because of the nature of Mormonism and anti-Mormonism. Wow. So, so you've been here for a few days. Of course, the, the, the passion this week was, uh, our theme was sanctify yeah. them. And, uh, I think, I think God has done a great work already in the hearts of, of students and those that have been listening to the messages. And so kind of give us a, just a wrap up of your heart of this week where you came in yeah. preaching and then what you see God's doing. Yeah, it's, um, I, I get very burdened for this, this segment of people because this is where my life changed. I mean, this was, this was the turning point in my life. And so, I mean, even today I did a little workshop with the um, students, whoever could uh, come. And I, 
I just, I could talk all day long to them mm. because, you know, this, this is the time where they're actually beginning to put their faith and trust in Jesus in a real personal manner. Mm-hmm. They may have, they may have dotted all the I's and crossed the T's perfectly theologically in their brain, but there's something about 18 to 24 where they are like, no, I believe and I'm all in. And so to participate in this is a, just a privilege. Mm. And, you know, I, I look at this, if I can just be a little, you know, just another little piece of grace given by God to help these students read their Bible mm-hmm. and to pray and, to you know, keep holy before the Lord and consider how they can invest in eternity, then it's worth it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, um, so it's, it's exciting. I don't know how much longer the Lord's going to allow, you know, in the United States of America, these types of institutions to exist. Yeah, and, and even up in conversations I even had today, this afternoon, yeah. it's like we, we, we see the shadows yes. starting to come in this direction. Yes. And I feel like then let's, let's hammer it. Yeah. Let's go for it. Let's not waste any moments and. You know, and, and God will provide for us in the future. Absolutely. But at the same time, this has been a sweet thing to yeah. push Christians in a direction of higher education, a skill set, but then a walk with God to right. impact right. those that are around them. Well, Will, thanks so much. It's been a blessing. God's used you. And mm-hmm. thanks for taking the time to be with us. Today. Well, thanks. We're so delighted to have Mr. Rand Hummel, Dr. Rand Hummel with us. Rand, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for being on the campus of Bob Jones. Mm-hmm. I know it's uh, a little chilly up in New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, ice storms and lots and lots of snow. But if it's going to be cold, you want the snow. So we got through, you guys got through last summer at, at the wilds of New England. And uh, tell me what exactly what happened last summer. Well, Obviously, because of the COVID, uh, we had to cancel camp on the campsite. And so within literally, I would say maybe 30 hours from when I heard that we the state would close us down, uh, we had 13 rallies scheduled at 13 different churches and uh, some city parks hosted by the churches. We had over 1,300 wow. uh, kids attend, many salvation decisions. We had... You know, cat in a hat. We had three ball baseball, orange blossom special. Uh, if my nose is running money, honey, I'd blow it all on you, along with a couple preaching times. And uh, it just turned out great. Um, we, mean, call, we, we call that a pivot. We, it was a pivot. Yeah. And uh, But we went, we did nine in New England and four in Pennsylvania and actually one in North Carolina. Wow. And uh, they they were really a blessing. 14 of us jumped into four vehicles and really hit the road. Nobody got sick. Uh, we took we took buckets in our trucks. We took our pickup trucks, filled them with buckets, and that's what the kids sat on because most of this was outside. And we also carried six foot ropes. I mean, we even had those buckets six foot apart. The kids, I don't know, they just totally, totally loved it. Wow. And we had many churches who, who have never been able to come to the Wilds New England, who attended these. Said this is great. We picked up a ton of churches, so they knew that we cared. And we went to where the kids were, and we had this this staff and the team shirts and the whole the whole show. It was I would not want to do it again. I want kids at camp because right. you know when you're at camp, you get them away from obviously the media, their gadgets, um, 
concentrated emphasis on the Word of God and dedicated lives, it's not just what you get them to, it's what you get them away from also. Right. So we're looking forward right now to uh, at least 75, 80% capacity for our camps. Uh, we have two CIT sessions. They're both packed full. I don't think there's room in either one of those. And uh, so... Uh, got our, all our staff lined up, so we're, we're ready to go and trust that God will open that door. Well, Rand, you have, you've been working with young people for now four decades at least. And, uh, you know, we've, we have, we have been privileged to serve by each other all these years. Mm -hmm. And so when I thought about the theme of sanctify them for our Bible conference, uh, you were definitely one of the first persons to come to my mind to be able to effectively communicate. So I, I'd like I'd like for our audience to really hear your burden, your passion for this week, especially in the matter of the theme of sanctify hmm. them. Well, you know, when it talks about the sanctification, um, that special setting apart, um, today I had the privilege to preach to the high school, the, your academy, on uh, the concept of sanctifying God in your heart. And being ready to give an answer to every man that asks of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. And, and I did. I told him, I said, I wish, guys, I wish your heart was a, an iPhone and I could get rid of all your apps and just put one on there that I'm going to love God and love people. And I could just tap that thing every day. And as we, if you set aside that special, your heart completely and, and God set aside it, it's who you think about, it's who you want your friends to think about. It dictates your your decisions and so forth. Now, tonight, I'll preach from Ephesians 5. You know, Jesus died to sanctify us to himself mm -hmm. and to cleanse us. The emphasis of Ephesians 5, there's 12 times God says no. He literally says no 12 times. And if you want a title, it's when God says no, it's please, no, please listen. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably one of the biggest things, I, I it, it even hurts my heart to think about it, but sin is sin. I know that. But immoral sins seem to steal a heart away from God quicker than anything else. Mm. And basically, if you look at Ephesians uh, chapter 5, you know, starts out be followers or imitators of God and walk in love and not a hint, not a hint of immorality. And then Paul's very specific, joking about it, participating in it, talking about it. And um, yeah, it's just with the media, with our whole COVID world, kids have not been outside, they've not run, they've not uh, been as active. And, and I mean, it's like everybody stares at the ground because they've been online in front of a screen. And so, and I'm not talking about necessarily your students here, I'm talking about the world in large. And um, so if we could regain that hatred for sin mm. and that true setting apart our heart, loving God above all things and making choices that keep us close to him and not to just plant a seed of doubt and running from him. Yeah, that, that is my burden. And um, I get two more shots after this one tonight and uh, just want to encourage the same. Yeah. Well, you have, uh, you know, when I, when I know, knowing you as well as I do, you know, you've had an incredible ministry to teenagers uh, over all these years, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure you would say that your greatest ministry has been to your staff mm -hmm. in the summertime. And of course, you know, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of people. 
So really, in some ways, your heart has been with the college age student. So maybe if you could just kind of set, speak to or just say, you know, we've got 2,500 college students here mm-hmm. and uh, and, you know, this is a great group of kids, but they're like everybody else. So what would you say to them at, looking at this week, knowing what you've what you've done all these years at the, the wilds? What would be the message in the heart that you would have for them? Hmm. Well, obviously, you know, let not the rich man glory in his riches, mighty in his might, uh, wise in the wisdom, but let them under, understand and know that I am God. OK, obviously, that was strong knowledge that God is wonderful and loving and forgiving. And that's everybody's burden. Another one is very simply not to to waste their lives, if you know what I mean, especially waste their summers. And I know I'm a camp guy and we've done exceedingly well at the Wilds of New England getting summer staff. And I will say our summer staff, you you did nail it. That That is one of the biggest things. It's one of the things I love the most. And this last summer without having all the staff, I mean, it killed me. It did. I just miss those kids. Even being here this week, Almost every meal and every free time, I'm meeting with somebody who has worked for me. I stepped into your dining common and within maybe 20 seconds, I had 20 kids surrounding me. Some coming this coming summer, some who have been there. And my phone just keeps going off. When can we meet? And these are ones that God has used to impact a lot of lives. A lot of your leadership positions in your dorms and all. Even at our little camp in Wiles, New England, uh, I've had the privilege to work close with them. And they literally become your kids. Mm. Uh, almost to a point I have to warn them not to be cliquish uh, because we get so close. And I know they have meals together and all that kind of stuff. But we really do. We laugh together. We pray together. We cry together. Uh, we we just have so much fun. And you know, in a camp setting, when they go to a place, whatever camp it is, whether it's Wiles, New England, Wiles, North Carolina, South and whatever camp... You know, you are pouring your life into those kids, hearing the preaching. So it's God and others, God and others. You get to the weekend, you're like too tired to sin. All you want to do is go eat some pizza, take a nap, please get your laundry done. And then you get to do it again. Right. Well, you do eight or nine weeks of that. And that it is a, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that if you're playing basketball and you got an incredible shooter that comes in for five minutes at the end of the game, he just, just nails it, nails it. It is, uh, it pole vaults you in your spiritual growth right. to be be at a place like a camp. Well, I, I uh, have said to uh, camp directors, especially in the wilds, I, I said, first of all, Bob Jones University needs you mm-hmm. in the sense that that they come here for an education, a Christian higher education, and their focal point is their education. They're they're in church, they're serving, they're doing all those things. But when they invest a summer in a camp and the whole focus is is other people, mm-hmm. you know, the, one of the most self-centered places on the planet is a college campus because it's all about the student. Mm-hmm. But when you go to camp, it's all about the camper. Right. So they're learning to live unselfishly. So uh, we need we need the camps just for the training of the life, and then the camps need the schools, right? Because that's where they're going to get the students. and And I just want to say how grateful we are for the influence of the Wilds and the Wilds of New England, because we know it's a hand in glove relationship, mm-hmm. and and really being on the same page, going in the same direction for the same mission 
to accomplish in people's lives. And so we're so thankful, uh, Rand, that you're here and the mm-hmm. messages you're going to bring to our student body. And and our prayer is that the, the good Lord will do a great spiritual work even tonight as you as you preach. Mm-hmm. So thanks so much for coming. And uh, we're looking forward to tonight's message. My privilege. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Highest Potential with Steve Pettit. Don't forget to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Mm